Well, I am live, and <clears throat> this is an impromptu episode because I realize I am not going to be here all week. Uh, I'm going out of town. We're going camping, and uh, basically I won't be here on Wednesday, and there's no way for me to live stream. Uh, so I'm going to do it tonight, and hopefully there's enough material to cover an hour, but it doesn't really need to actually be an hour, does it? If you guys saw my meme that I posted earlier to draw your attention to the fact that I am going to live stream tonight, thank you for paying attention. Uh, hit like, hit share, and comment in the comment section. Yeah. So, have you seen the articles going around about uh, what the federal government of Canada is going to do for you? If you die from an approved vaccine, which brings me to my first question, what is an approved vaccine? That's what we're going to find out if we can figure out. <clears throat> now, as usual, I haven't done the homework to actually read the articles beforehand. So we're just going to look at them together as usual. Let's see what we got here. Oh, why is it? Okay. We'll do this one, I suppose. Uh, so, here is the headline. Boreal costs covered for Canadians killed by approved vaccines. And you can see this is from two days ago. <sighs> Burial costs will now be covered by Ottawa for individuals killed by federally approved vaccines. Well, isn't that fantastic? According to Blacklock's reporter, the Department of Health will pick up the tab. It says the new program addresses a long-standing gap in Canada's national immunization programming by providing a timely no-fault financial support mechanism for all people in Canada in rare instances where they are seriously and permanently injured performing a public good being immunized. So, for our American friends, you might not know this, but Canada has no recourse right now if you are uh, killed by a vaccine. There isn't really any kind of way to get any sort of reimbursement unlike in the u.s where you do have that system it's really bad system but at least some people have been able to uh, be financially accommodated for their loved ones dying whereas in canada you get nothing so they're remedying that now i from what i can tell as i'm going through this like they've got the you know they've got this up at the top where it says vials labeled astrazeneca pfizer BioNTech, johnson johnson and johnson all that stuff uh but this sounds like it's actually just talking about vaccines in general which is interesting so a briefing note from the department says vaccine injuries are rare but do happen. The department has budgeted $75 million for all claims but said it was unclear how many submissions there could be. Management of the program is contracted to RCGT Consulting. In the rare event a person in Canada is seriously and permanently injured as a result of vaccination, they should be fairly supported. Well, that's somewhat reasonable sounding isn't it uh wrote the department staff the vaccine injury support program provides financial support to individuals who are seriously and permanently injured due to vaccination with a health canada authorized vaccine canada's covid19 health experts admit there are unknown long-term effects of vaccines but they provide another layer of protection Teresa Tam, Chief Public Health Officer, said she has always been realistic about vaccines. We've never said the vaccine was going to be 100% effective, but people pick at that concept for unrealistic expectations. So we have to go out there and get some expectations. Set some expectations, sorry. 
She said, adding, the pandemic has been stressful and that everyone is an armchair epidemiologist. I am, I guess. Uh, yeah, $75 million means there's a lot. So, one thing, okay, they're talking about COVID-19, right? So, this is something that, just something to notice here. Uh, sorry, hold on a second here. Oh, there we go. My page is all messed up on my end. So, um, one thing that's important to point out about the way this article is worded or the way that they're talking is it doesn't say COVID-19 vaccines at all. Uh, maybe, maybe it's just the way the article is written, but you'll notice as you go through it, it says in the rare event that a person is damaged by the result of vaccination, they should be fairly supported. Right, so this is about vaccines in general. Um, even, even, even when it talks about the COVID nineteen health experts, they only admit that there are long term effects of vaccines in general. Uh, but they provide another layer of protection. It never talks about COVID nineteen vaccines specifically, is what I'm seeing. Um, you might be able to make the argument that because it's talking to COVID-19 health experts, it's assumed, but I assume nothing with these people. So you got to look at the terminology. This is from Toronto Sun. Toronto Sun is generally somewhat conservative. But uh, look, even look what it says, Teresa Tam says. She's realistic about vaccines. There's, you know, there's nothing in here talking. Look. Look at what it says. Not everybody likes what we say. We're resigned to that, said Tam. There are a lot of people who will who will tell me I'm not doing the right thing. Too fast, too slow, too soon. Too much, you know, but I don't make decisions singularly. Now listen to this again. Vaccine risks are rare. Dr. Superior Sharma, senior medical advisor for the health department, said last year. The benefits outweigh the potential risks, but it's still a drug and still a vaccine, and there are potential risks even if they're rare, she said. So they're admitting that there's rare side effects. That's good. But I think that if we go to this article from the Toronto Sun, and it's titled Burial Costs Covered for Canadians Killed by Approved Vaccines, check it out. Um it never talks about COVID-19 vaccines specifically. It gives you the pictures. It gives you all that. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm reading into it too much. You tell me what you think. You go read the article yourself. Let me know what you think. Uh, I'm confused. Hi, Sylvia. Hey, Sylvia. Sylvia attends a specific church in Waterloo, Ontario. Maybe she can let us know if Trinity Bible Chapel got its building back. I heard whisperings that trinity bible chapel has its building back access to its building so that'd be really awesome to know hi phoebe apparently sunday night is my night look at all these numbers it's crazy so sylvia oh we got our building back and sylvia you've probably not even been able to be in that building very much in general yeah, see, so Margaret Margaret says in the comments about the vaccine article, because it's not a vaccine, it won't be covered. Well, I don't think they're making the claim that it's not a vaccine. Um, obviously, we understand that it's not a traditional vaccine. Uh, anyone in this chat knows that. But what I'm talking about is it's making this general statement through the article that vaccines are safe and effective vaccines do this vaccines are like that vaccine blah 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 but it never says covid19 vaccine this covid19 vaccine that so what has been approved in canada all the vaccines in canada have been approved for emergency use I don't believe that those fit under the scope of being approved. So this article, this was kind of my whole point. Um, my whole point of the article uh, that I'm pointing out is 
they're making it like, oh, good, approved vaccine damages will be covered, or a vac- uh, vaccine damage from approved vaccines will be covered, right? Making you think it's about the these COVID vaccines. But we know that none of them are approved. At least that's what I'm getting. Uh, Josiah brings up a great point. Wednesday night is a lot of people's Bible study night. That's fair. That's fair. It is. Uh, it might be the worst night of the week for me to do it. But you know what? Maybe that's to humble me. And that's what's important. You know? Oh, and Sylvia says Pfizer is getting FDA approved tomorrow. That would still be really rushed. So that is that is really interesting. Also, while we're at it, check it. As usual, Resistance Coffee. Check it out. Use my discount code. All of that business. By the way, guys, go check out the new shirts. Uh, the Join the Shezistance shirts. I have to get a Join the Shezistance shirt. Um, you know, just as a side note. Uh, everyone heard Justin Trudeau said she covery like five months ago, right? Or a she session and a she covery. <sighs> he said that like five months ago and he literally brought it back for the, uh, for the uh, election period. I can't believe he did it, but he did. Oh, Sylvia, and if you do, go in on it with some of your friends and use the discount code and get a big bundle. Oops, we. Phoebe says, oops, we killed you with a vaccine. Oh, where to go? The least we can do is pay for your fu- uh, funeral expenses. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. Yeah, and Doug says... It's easy for someone to say the benefit outweighs the risk if they haven't been injured or had a life-altering health issue. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, remember, if you're going to buy coffee for me, uh, this is for Sylvia, remember, yeah, use the discount code DAVIS. Um, it supports me, it supports them, it saves you money. It's all good. They support good causes, right? JCCF and fight the fines, all of that stuff. Yeah, and, oh, wow, and Margaret uh, Granny says, Laura Lynn is filing against Trudeau for inciting hate towards Unjab. Well, I hope it works out. Um, Obviously, we've got a lot of doubt. Um, We've got a lot of doubt uh, about this stuff, right? Um, That any of it's ever going to go through the courts. We just need a couple good judges to set a precedent, right? That would be, that would be awesome. So, uh, we're going to move on. And, uh, again, like I say, articles that, um, that I haven't read, but, uh, someone sent me this one from the daily wire and, uh, come on, man. I wonder why it won't do that. It's okay. Um, so the Taliban in Afghanistan is going door to door seeking Christians searching through phones for Bible apps. And this is from the Daily Wire. So, you know, often often we've talked about persecution in Canada, and it is persecution. Them telling us not to open our doors for a fake problem like the flu, um, so that they can control us is persecution. Although light, you'll remember when everything was going really well 30, 40 years ago, um, that pastors would preach on bullying in the playground as persecution. And now the standard for persecution in North America is it must be one about preaching the gospel specifically and two be completely and only directed at the church. No other people can be lumped in. So let's take it to its logical conclusion. There's a group going around who's in control of the country and they're harvesting the organs of Muslims and Christians. Well, Romans 13, you better just submit because it's not against just Christians only. It's against Muslims and Christians. So just let them take your organs Romans 13. 
obviously that's ridiculous, right? So let's go back to our article. Uh, okay. So as we said, they're going door to door. The Taliban is going door to door looking at people's phones. Afghan Christians are reportedly fleeing to the mountains in a desperate attempt to escape the Taliban, who's going door to door trying to kill them. So when we look at this, this is extreme. Extreme persecution. Now what's interesting is they're also going door to door and looking for anyone who helped out the Americans. Anyone who worked with the Americans. So by our North American church standard, this wouldn't be persecution because they're not just looking for Christians. They're looking for Christians and any other Americans, Christian or otherwise, right? So it's not persecution. That's the logic, right? Let's keep that in mind. That's why it doesn't matter if it's only against the church. Persecution is the result of saying no to the unjust law that's been imposed on you. And it's usually only Christians that will say no to the unjust law. And so therefore they receive persecution. So we've seen, if you've been watching what's happening, you've seen Christian missionaries saying what? That they're not going anywhere. And so they're willing to receive the horrific punishments um, for standing on Christ and not abandoning the people that they are trying to save. That is persecution. So, an underground church that partners with Frontier Alliance International, FIA, has reported that the Taliban are targeting Christians for death. According to FAI, the Taliban has a hit list of known Christians they are targeting to pursue and kill, the U.S. Embassy is defunct, and there is no longer a safe place for believers to take refuge. All borders to neighboring countries are closed, and all flights to and from have been halted, with the exception of private planes. People are fleeing into the mountains looking for asylum. They're fully reliant on God, who is the only one who can and will protect them. The Taliban are going door to door, taking women and children. The people must mark their house with an X if they have a girl over 12 years old so that the Taliban can take them. Oh my goodness. If they find a young girl and the house was not marked, they will execute the entire family. If a married woman 25 years or older has been found, the Taliban promptly kill her husband do whatever they want to her and then sell her as a sex slave. So this is a really interesting thing to point out is that uh, Islam and the trading of women as a commodity has never ceased, never really been talked about openly by the left and a large portion of what claims to be the right and this is happening every day, and now it is in full force again in Afghanistan because the U.S. troops have left. And I am not getting into the virtues of the war in Afghanistan or any of that nonsense uh, because that is irrelevant here. What is, relevant, what is relevant is that because the U.S. has left, now these people are emboldened and are killing, raping, and torturing people again openly and with swift occurrence so oh man husbands and fathers have given their wives and daughters guns and told them that when the taliban come they can choose to kill them or kill themselves it is their choice wow <clears throat> taliban are also reportedly rifling through people's phones to look for any apps that would give them away as christians wow they're demanding people's phones, and if they find a download Bible on your device, they will kill you immediately. Whew. Oh, man. Anyway. Oh, this article is making me sick. Um, yeah, so... 
Phoebe's saying that the Taliban has also taken passports away from people so that they can't leave. That's a really, that's actually just a really common, um, common tactic in sex trafficking in general. I don't know if you guys know much about how the international sex trafficking market works, but, uh, we can talk about that for a minute. People think that making prostitution legal and making brothels legal somehow protects the women that are in there that are working air quotes. I put air quotes around it, right? If you can't see me on audio and, uh, it does not make it safer. So what, what, what happens with internet, with the international sex trafficking trade is a lot of times you have these ads come be a maid in this country. So a girl from say a European country travels to another European country for this maid job or something like that. They are abducted and they have their passport taken away, and they're put in a house where they're broken. We don't need to get into what that means, but they are basically treated like garbage and broken, and then shipped to another country after that, smuggled into another country, and then put in a brothel in, say, like the red light district in in Berlin or Ham, uh, wherever the big famous red light district is in Germany. And so now you have this girl who's two countries removed, has no passport, has no identity, but she's in a safe and legal brothel in Germany. Right? So all the horrors of sex trafficking are just a reality here. And just, I, I know that that wasn't specifically about sex trafficking most likely, but something about stealing your passport, um, just brought that up so it's it's really really scary um someone asked me someone's just uh sylvia says someone asked me today if we were in their shoes would you wipe your phone but no we stand up for christ so they shouldn't but die for christ yeah no so yeah it's hard i mean i like you know my my gut instinct wants me to say that in that moment I would not delete the Bible app from my phone. I would die for having the Bible app, but I'm not saying that it's inherently wrong to delete the Bible app and survive for another day. You hear these stories about how the Chinese Communist Party wants to wheel you out and make you spit on your Bible and renounce your faith. Well, that one's obvious. Obviously, you cannot do that. You cannot renounce your faith and spit on the Bible. But to delete the app so that you're not caught for a day, uh, I'm not going to, I don't know. My gut instinct is that um, I, I wouldn't want to do it, but I'm not saying I wouldn't when I'm confronted with that, right? I don't know. So if you guys can hear any sounds coming through, my kids just got home and, uh, I can hear them through the, through the floor. So if you can hear that in the background, that's just them running around and being loud. It's probably going to pick up on my microphone. <laughs> uh, Elaine says sexual violence used as a weapon of war is more about demoralizing and rendering the victims powerless against their abusers. Absolutely. 100% agree with that. So I'm not going to read any more of this article again. It's daily wire. Um, it's called Taliban going door to door seeking Christians. You can check it out. So moving on to the big topic of God's sovereignty over everything today. Um, Today at church, my pastor preached on Isaiah 66, verses 1 and 2, and dealt with the fact that God is in control of everything, and that he is in charge of everything. And um, 
sorry, the, I hear a baby crying, all kinds of stuff. My mom is up there. It's going nuts. So, uh, it's a little distracting, but that's okay. They've got it under control. Um, so basically, as you guys know, I've been talking about the, the issues with salvation and the belief that if you teach people that they must repent of their sin, you are somehow in error and are teaching people works righteousness or salvation by works. And this is absolutely not what we are saying. And um, amazingly, he used Isaiah 1 as a basis or as part of his sermon today. And I've just started studying through Isaiah. And so I want to open that up and show you again what I've been talking about. We've went through those verses about how God does not want our sacrifices or he doesn't want Israel's sacrifices. He doesn't want our 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 our, our fake worship. He doesn't want empty worship from us, right? So there's another instance of this at the very beginning of Isaiah. And um, one thing you're going to see that's really interesting is God has been preaching to them, commanding them to listen to him, commanding the whole earth to listen to him in verses 1 and 2. He wants the whole earth to listen. He has commanded it. But then he goes on and he says this. Um, he says, unless the Lord of hosts had left us a few survivors, we would be like Sodom. We would be like Gomorrah. Now, check this out. God shifts it. He is talking to Judah and Jerusalem. And he says this. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What are your multiplied sacrifices to me, says the Lord. So what's interesting there is he refers to Judah and Jerusalem as Sodom and Gomorrah. He is making the point that what they have done and their false worship is completely aberrant and evil and sinful. And they have become like Sodom and Gomorrah. They are wicked, wicked, nasty people. And so that kind of sounded like Donald Trump, very bad, wicked, nasty, right? So, uh, the baby crying upstairs is distracting. Um, I'm looking up at the ceiling right now and hoping that they get it under control soon. I don't know if you guys can hear it, but it's probably just me, so... Anyway, look what he says. As he carries on with verse 11, he says, I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle, and I take no pleasure in the blood of bulls, lambs, or goats. So what's really interesting, just, as, uh, just before I start, is that um, I was actually going to go through this on Wednesday, and then Pastor James went through this section today, which was really cool how relevant it was. Even his wife brought it up to me after because I've been talking about this and she knows that. She's even been seeing the exchanges I've been having on my on my YouTube page and promptly let me know that I should just stop engaging with these people. Just let them come, let them be hateful, let them spew their nonsense and just leave it alone. And uh, I think that that's a good I think that's a good tip. So, anyway, he doesn't want their sacrifices. He says, when you come to appear before me, who requires of, of you this trampling of my courts? Bring your worthless offerings no longer. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath, the calling of assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity and the solemn assembly. I hate your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts. They have become a burden to me. 
I am weary of bearing them. So when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Yes, even though you multiply prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered with blood. And that's literally your hands are filled with blood. He is talking to the people of Judah and Jerusalem. They're murderers. They're evil. The sacrifice is fake. They're, they're, they're actually, they were actually sacrificing animals, but it was empty. What did we learn from Jeremiah the other day? That God did not want sacrifices. He wanted obedience. That's what he requires of us. He requires our active obedience. Now look, watch this. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. I just need a drink. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from my sight. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Reprove the ruthless. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow. And then it says, Come now and let us reason together. Says the Lord. Sorry. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. They, though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. If you consent and obey... You will eat the best of the land, but if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. Truly the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So, think about this. He has told them that their sacrifices are worthless. He has told them to make themselves clean. You cannot make yourself clean. The Israelites could not make themselves clean. They could only respond with their obedience. But that's not good enough. Then he brings up their sins being scarlet, but they will be as white as snow. How does he make their sins as white as snow? How, how would he do that? By covering them. Uh, Martin Luther actually has an analogy of piles, I believe, of horse dung out in the field. And then it snows and they're covered and they're made white. So it's not that it doesn't exist, but it is now covered and made white. Right? It's covered. Christ's righteousness covers our sin. That's what it's saying. So the only way that you can be obedient is if Christ covers your sin and you respond to that covering with belief in him. When you believe, you will desire to be obedient. You will desire to follow Christ. God gives you a new heart. He takes your heart of stone and replaces it with a heart of flesh. That is what the gospel teaches. That is not the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus Christ died for your sins, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you must turn to him and believe on his death, burial, and resurrection for the forgiveness of your sins. That is what the gospel is. But all throughout the Old Testament, we see this constant emphasis we see this constant emphasis on, on God demanding that his people obey him, that they turn to him, and they never do. Why? Because they can't, they can't truly turn to him until they have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. You can't follow God unless you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. Your repentance... Your faith in Christ is a work of God. Your belief on Christ is a gift from God. That is what is important here. You cannot believe in Jesus Christ 
unless God has granted you repentance. That's what's important here. So I want to show you guys a video. Um, it's from Ray Comfort. And so what a lot of people say is that, is that Ray Comfort teaches lordship salvation. And then they go, boogity, 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 boogity. It's bad. I believe lordship salvation. It's just salvation. When you believe, you come under the lordship of Christ. That's what that means. <clears throat> so, I am going to show this video. So, what you're going to see is this man that he's talking to. Uh, I just got to get it up here. This man that he's talking to, he's already walked him through the law and showed him that uh, um, that he has no way into heaven except by faith in Christ. And there's nothing he can do. And he needs to respond to Jesus Christ. And so this man has a really tender conscience and it's a really cool video to watch. And we're just going to check it out starting at the six minute mark here. It's called, you'll stop using the sinner's prayer after watching this. Uh, that's at the end of the video. I'm not even going to get into that, but we're going to just watch this uh, conversation. God's kingdom. So you're up the river Niagara without a pedal. I think we all are. Well, what can you do? How can you be saved? I, you just ask for forgiveness and believe in God and believe that he is, died for us. His son died for us. Yes and no. Yes and no. Um, believing, believing in God doesn't help because that's just like saying to a judge. When See, so right there, there are people that say, you know, what that guy said is enough. What that guy said is enough. You just believe uh, and you ask him to forgive you and it's good enough. And uh, Ray's probably going to say, um, even the demons believe, right? So mere normal belief without faith is nothing. When you're guilty, I believe the judge exists. And saying you're sorry doesn't help because it's like saying sorry to a judge. He's going to say, of course you should be sorry. And of course you shouldn't do this again. You're going to jail. Right. So every single one of us are under God's wrath. We're hopeless and helpless. So tell me, what would you do if you're in court and you, you were found guilty and you had no excuse, all the evidence is in? What can you do, the best thing? I just think you have to own it. You have to own it. But you really don't want to own this one because this means you're going to end up in the lake of fire. So you don't want to own it, but you want to be honest. What you do is you throw yourself upon the mercy of the judge. And the Bible says God is rich in mercy to all that call upon him. Now, tell me, what did God do for guilty sinners so he wouldn't have to go to hell? He gave his son's life. He, yeah. Now, yeah. Most people know that, but they don't know this. And this changes everything, Kelly. The Ten Commandments, what we've looked at, is called the moral law. You and I broke the law. Jesus paid the fine. Do you remember his last words on the cross just before he dismissed his spirit? He said three very profound words. I should and I don't. He said, it is finished. It is finished. Why do you think he said that? Because his... Uh, his father's wish was carried out. Yeah, well, in other words, the debt has been paid. We broke God's law. Jesus paid the fine. See, this guy has some, a little bit of biblical literacy, which I thought was really interesting. Um, he's kind of, he, he doesn't have good terminology, but he understands that something happened there when Christ died, right? And I, th I thought this was really interesting. If you watch this video from the start, You'll see this guy was was really willing to talk from the get-go. And he just, it's like he just needs someone to point him in the right direction and tell him, like, hey, you need to believe this. He was just ready. It's a really cool thing to watch. And he suffered for our sins. He took the punishment in our place. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might be made righteous in the sight of God. It's like if you're in a court of law and you're guilty of speeding, and the judge says there's a stack of speeding tickets here, but... Oh, someone's paid the fine, you're out of here. Even though you're guilty, he lets you walk because someone paid your fine. And even though you and I are guilty of serious crimes in the eyes of God, worthy of death and damnation, 
We can walk. We can live. God can take the death sentence off us all because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. The Bible says Jesus Christ has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And then he rose from the dead, defeated death. The Bible says it was not possible that death could hold him. And if you'll repent and trust in Jesus, God will grant you remission of sins once and for So right there, let's go back here. Right there, there's a whole, oh, there's a whole army of people that would say, Ray Comfort is preaching a false gospel because he just used the word repent there upon belief. That's what they teach. I disagree. Repentance is part of belief. Real belief has repentance. It's just, it's just what it is. And if you don't believe that, that's okay, but I'm worried that you would be led into antinomianism. That's the best way it's been put to me just recently talking about it. So I'm not going to say you're a Christian if, if you reject lordship upon salvation. I am worried. Yeah, I'm worried that you'd be led into antinomianism and the concept of shall we keep on sinning so that grace may abound? Yes, instead of no. That That's, that's the concern here. And trust in Jesus. God will grant you remission of sins once and for all. Now, this is the difference between Catholicism and biblical Christianity. Catholicism says that you have to do something to merit eternal life. In some ways, Jesus Christ... So, I just rewound it here because... Uh, well, one, I got distracted by the comment about my shirt. So, thanks, Jesse. It's a great shirt. Um, but think about this. He, he explains it. Repent. Turn from your sin. Trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then what does he do? The next thing he does is go into the difference between biblical Christianity and Roman Catholicism, saying that they teach works righteousness, right? So he doesn't think he's teaching works either. Whereas all these other groups are like, no, no, you need works. So what's going on here? Is Ray Comfort just self-deceived or is he de a deceiver? I don't think so. He'll explain it. Has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So I rewound it. And then remember. he rose from the dead, defeated death. The Bible says it was not possible that death could hold him. And if you'll repent and trust in Jesus, God will grant you remission of sins once and for So if you'll repent and trust in Jesus, God will grant you the remission of sins. So what you have to understand there is those aren't two separate events. Ray Comfort is not breaking those up into separate events. Your belief and your repentance are one and the same. Those are the same thing. True biblical belief has repentance within it. That's that's what we're teaching here. For all. Now, this is the difference between Catholicism and biblical Christianity. Catholicism says that you have to do something to merit eternal life in some way. The Bible says there is nothing you can do except call on God's mercy. And he'll save you by his grace. Grace means unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor. When I became a Christian... See, grace is... Undeserved, unmerited favor. Sorry, and yeah, unearned. What more do you need? What more do you want? Unearned favor. It's unearned. It's free. It's a free gift. God does not keep you where you're at. You don't believe in Christ and stay dead and buried in your sin. He resurrects you out of it so that you can live a new life dedicated to him. Don't dwell on everything you're doing. If you're in sin, turn to Christ and it'll help you stop sinning. That's the point to make you more like Christ. I don't, I'm not, I'm not sinless now. It's not, it's not what anyone believes here.
It's not what anyone who believes in the, Lord, the Lordship of Christ at the point of salvation believes. No one believes that. I don't know. I don't know of any sinless perfectionists. I only know of them in charismatic circles. Uh, nearly 50 years ago, I didn't deserve the gift of eternal life. I don't deserve it now after a lifetime of being a Christian. It's a gift. And if I give you a, if I give you a, a Lamborghini, a brand new Lamborghini, and you say, aha, I'm going to give you 10 cents for this, and you flip me 10 cents, and I take it. That's not a gift, that's a purchase. So we can't offer God anything for everlasting life. It can only come as a free gift. And that comes through repentance and faith in Jesus. Now, repentance is different than confession of sin or confessing to... Oh, see, we have nothing to offer him. There's nothing to offer him. Let's go back. Through repentance and faith in Jesus. Now, repentance is... When I became a Christian uh, nearly 50 years ago, I didn't deserve the gift of eternal life. I don't deserve it now after a long... Oh, see, Jesse, though, the problem with your thinking too clearly, what you have to understand is, and I don't know if you've ever encountered these people, but basically what they would say is repent just means change of mind. That's it. Just a neutral statement. So you can repent of putting coffee or of cream in your coffee. You can change your mind about it. Uh, is how they would describe it. It's just this neutral, non-moral thing. Whereas what we understand is, is that in the Bible, biblically, repentance is always related to a turning away of sin and a remorse for what we've done wrong. So when you just bring up stuff like repent and believe, they'll be like, yeah, you repent, you change your mind about who Jesus is and you believe that's what they say and it's funny because I even got compared to the proud Pharisee the other day <clears throat> the one who goes into the synagogue and says Lord thank you for not making me like other men which I don't know how much more clear I need to be I clearly don't believe that um, you're supposed to read that parable and be like I am like that man beating my chest with my face down to the ground because I can't even look up to God because I am so sick with my own sin. That's repentance. If you're the dude that isn't broken by your sin, you're the one saying that, um, you're the one saying that Lord, thank you for not making me like other men. There's only two options. You're only one or the other. And, if the people that believe in repentance are on the ground sobbing, it makes you the other guy. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> my bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Jesse says, my bad. Got to get back to going to Bible study with Andy Soyboy. Got to get these terms right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. If you, guys, if you guys don't know, Gelding Coalition Canada is just a satire site making fun of the fact that the Gospel Coalition Canada doesn't come down on any issues. They just always try to make a neutral stance, even though they are getting progressively more to the left, right? Christian, it's a gift. And if I give you a, if I give you a, a Lamborghini... A brand new Lamborghini, and you say, aha, I'm going to give you 10 cents for this, and you flip me 10 cents, and I take it. That's not a gift, that's a purchase. So we can't offer God anything for everlasting life. It can only come as a free gift. And that comes through repentance and faith in Jesus. Now, repentance is different than confession of sin or confessing to a priest. So this is really interesting. Repentance is different from confession. He is going to explain to you what he means by biblical repentance and if if it isn't a work that he is burdening with people burdening on people then everyone accusing of him of him of that needs to stop you can argue about the definition of repentance but he's going to give you what he means by repentance and if it's not adding a work to the gospel right now in this definition, then you need to stop. You need to leave him alone because his view of repentance 
is about to be proven that it's not works or it is and we can all be like oh wow he's a heretic which he's not i'm just saying here we go here we go repentance is when you turn from sin perpetually it's not something you do it's something you don't repentance is when you turn from sin perpetually how do you do that the indwelling of the holy spirit that's the only way i want to capture that one more time here is when you turn from sin perpetually it's not something you do it's something you don't do as a christian i don't commit adultery i don't look at pornography i don't lust after a woman i don't lie i don't steal i don't fornicate don't do those things because i'd be a hypocrite if i did i want to be genuine in my faith i don't want to deceive myself so that's what repentance is and faith in jesus is the same sort of faith you'd ex so it's what you don't do you respond to the gospel by not wanting to sin anymore it doesn't mean you're perfect ray comfort is still trying to burden his conscience so that he will respond to the gospel no, what's interesting is he's about to ask him, does he ever sin still? And Ray Comfort is going to say yes. So we're not teaching sinless perfectionism. We're not teaching that we're holier than thou or anything. But what's interesting is that this man did pick up on the fact that Ray said he doesn't want to sin anymore. Or that he doesn't sin anymore. And he and this man does ask, well, do you still sin? So it's really interesting. And Ray explains to him, well, yeah, I do. Exercise if you trusted a parachute when you jumped out of a plane 10,000 feet. You see a danger. You don't want to hit the ground at 120 miles an hour, so you put your trust in the parachute. Fear is your motive. And in that respect, fear is your friend, not your enemy. It's telling you put on a parachute. You're going to perish if you don't. And Kelly, what I've tried to do is put the fear of God in you today hoping you'll see that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom and you'll see that that is your friend, not your enemy. Do you have sin? What's that? Do you ever sin? Yeah, I fight it all the time. I've got a sinful nature. Just See, I fight it all the time. I have a sinful nature. That struggle you have is evidence that you are a believer. If you loved your sin, you wouldn't have that struggle. As a Christian... You now have the ability to choose sin or not sin. Because before Christ, you're dead in your sin. And you have no choice but to choose sin. You love your sin. Now we hate our sin. But there's still a desire in our flesh because of our sinful natures to sin. That's, that's what it is. Driving here, I was tempted to look at so many different women. It's just pulling at me. And the Bible says it's the Adamic nature that stays with us when we're Christians. See, so just so we're clear, he said that he fights the desire to look at women. And uh, and it's the endemic nature. Uh, uh, I, w I wasn't paying attention there for a second. I've ever read a famous book called Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. He's, he's got Christian walking along. Suddenly a man jumps out behind a tree and grabs his flesh. He grabs his flesh physically and he says, who are you? He says, I'm Adam. And it's that Adamic sinful nature that Adam had and passed on to us is that what we have to fight until we are eventually glorified and pass from this, this life into eternal life. So you've got to... So you have two choices to make. <clears throat> if you claim to follow Christ, you can pick one option, which is that when confronted with this truth you can respond with hatred and vitriol and say you can't judge me just because i'm still stuck in all of my sins doesn't mean i'm not a christian or you can say i want to turn from my sin god please forgive me for my sin you can do that continual battle but that's what repentance is and you don't do it at earn everlasting life. You walk in repentance because you're grateful to God for his gift of forgiveness. Is this making sense? Yes. You know what, Kelly, when you give up trying to be good and say, God, I, I'm not good, I need to trust in your grace, then you'll be born again. And God will give you a new heart and a new desire so that you know that you've been forgiven. He that believes has the witness in himself, the Bible says. Like a kid who touches a heater doesn't believe the heater's hot. 
He knows. He who believes has the witness in himself. He's moved out of the realm of belief into the realm of experience. That's what will happen when you're born again. New heart, new desires. So you're going to think about what we talked about? Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Glad I ran into you today. Can I give you a, a book we've published called The Bible's Four Gospels? Sure. Yeah. So there you go, guys. He's going to give him that book. And um, just it's a really cool story to watch how soft the guy becomes. Um, but basically, if you think that that's wrong, if you think what happened there, seeing a man be convicted of his sin and being taught that he needs a savior to be forgiven of his sin and that he should be broken about his sin, you're the one that's wrong. And so I'm going to close with this. What is the gospel? Well, Paul, Paul spells it out for us in 1 Corinthians 15. He says this. Now I make this is from the NASB, not the ESV. NASB. It's, it's a joke. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and which also you stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So right there, actually, I need to pause for a second. You hold this word if, if, wow, I never noticed how relevant that is before. I just noticed it. If you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So you can believe in vain. So to all the people that say, oh, well, I believed on Christ like 30 years ago, and then I was a rampant homosexual for 20 years, um, but I was saved the whole time. No, you weren't. You hold fast to the word which was preached to you. You are a believer if you hold fast to the word which was preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So I'm going to restart. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you. You are saved if you hold fast to the word that was preached to you. It's pretty clear. <clears throat> I, uh, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, after that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, for I am the least of the apostles, and not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. And so, what is the gospel? The gospel is that you cannot do anything good of your own you have sinned you fell dead in your sins and trespasses when adam ate of the fruit in the garden you fell with him he is our head he is our representative and we fell and we were born dead in our sins and trespasses we can do nothing good apart from god all our works are like filthy rags. Anything we do to try and earn our salvation will just get us into hell. It just sends us to hell. Because everything that we would do for good is for ourselves. We're inherently selfish. We have nothing good in us. Nothing. Not a thing. We are utterly useless. Romans 3 calls us useless. And so there's good news. It's that the perfect son of God came and lived a perfect life 
he became the perfect sacrifice for sin and he went to the cross as the sacrifice for sin and when he went to the cross when he died and bled on the cross he exchanged he exchanged our sin for his righteousness he took our sin upon himself and in our place died for us on the cross he took it he took our sin away from us and put it on himself and when we respond to that and we believe on that with true repentance and faith we will be saved from our sin and we cannot forget the resurrection we always it's easy to forget that we he was resurrected from the dead right our god rose from the dead and conquered death respond to what he did for you understand that you are a sinner and believe on him today and ask him to forgive you for your sins and turn from your sin and believe on him for the forgiveness of your sins right and then hold fast in the gospel that was preached to you hold fast to it because if you don't hold fast to it it shows that you have believed in vain that is what first corinthians 15 says do not believe in vain believe in the power of the gospel to change your life to change you from a dead bloated corpse to a living soul to a living body again repent of your sin and turn to jesus for the forgiveness of your sins because that's all that's all that's all it says over and over again and so when we look at the old testament we see all these calls to obedience you cannot obey God unless you believe on his son's death, burial, and resurrection and repent of your sin. And the Holy Spirit indwells you and makes you desire to be obedient. And, of course, you're not going to be perfect. When you sin after becoming a believer, you turn to Christ and say, Thank you, God, for forgiving me for my sin. That sin is not counted against me now. But if you still love your sin and you still practice it, the same sins that you're stuck in at the same velocity, we'll say, that you were stuck in, at the same consistency, if nothing changes, we're allowed to be worried about ourselves. Be worried about yourself. Ask God, Lord, help me not be stuck in the sin. I don't want to be dead in my sin. And he will help you out of it. He will. Slowly but surely, he has pulled sins from me. He has pulled sins from me over and over again. Jesse says, and Jesse's a pastor, by the way, so we'll just point that out. He's not just some t-shirt guy, you know. If you don't know who Jesse is, he's the Carpe. He's one of the two Carpe Fide brothers where these shirts are available to U.S. customers, by the way. And you can get them from Woolen Flax in Canada, who are my friends from Grace Life. So, a little plug there. So, Jesse says, <laughs> he says <laughs> about being a pastor, he says, I'm 100% legit. I got my ordination online. Okay, well, can you send me the link? Because I'd like that too. Because um, now I'm an internet pastor. Just kidding. Never, ever replace anybody with church, especially me. Especially me. So, Jesse says, I love that Paul gives, gives the life, death, and resurrection and the proof with the post-resurrection appearances, holding fast to a firm foundation. Good stuff. I see what you did there. Oh, yeah, with the, uh, with the shirt plug. <laughs> Anyway, guys, um, I'm going to shut it off for tonight. Remember, I'm not going to be online on Wednesday. Uh, if you come rolling around on Wednesday and you didn't watch this video, which why would I be talking to you? But just 
you know, watch this video on Wednesday instead of when you see it. Hey, I know it's a good idea. All right, guys, um, I am logging off now. I will see you guys later.